It is a privilege to be and an honor to be amongst God's people always. We never take it for granted, just these times in the Lord Jesus. So I want to commend Anson Lee for their leadership here over the year, year about over a year, just over a year. And um, yeah, just to see what, how God's just used them. And we've known Anson for a good couple of years now. Part of us with Durbanville then came to join this plant here. Uh, well, this church had been going for a while, but just the change and the transition, and it's been amazing to see what the Lord has done. And uh, very proud of you guys. Well done, man. And, but this morning, a lot of you, are, how many people here are Afrikaans? Bye. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to be preaching Afrikaans. I'm a, I'm a Roy Nick. <clears throat> My grandparents are from Scotland. Um, but I did translate the word. I always do that because having led Durbanville, a very Afrikaans congregation, and why God would put an Englishman there. Well, Scotsman, actually. Not very different. Um, thank you. And... I have no idea, but I used, often the title can be quite, even English people wouldn't be able to understand the, the title of the message, so I'd often translate to Afrikaans. I did it this morning. Um, I'll only speak on Vierkrachtigheid. Weet jy wat dit is? Okay, resilience in English, which means someone that's strong, someone that can take hardship, someone that can keep going in the midst of battle. Sorry? Bounce back, yeah, after going through tough times. And this morning... I want to be sort of like an army corporal. I did end up as a corporal in the Defense Force. I was there four years in the Defense Force. And, and uh, when you first arrive, in the, def- the corporals give you a hard time. And uh, they're training you for a purpose. They're taking you somewhere. You don't always understand. But the Lord Jesus, uh, you know, for the joy set before him, it says in Hebrews, he endured the cross. So we've got to hold up the why. Because this life is tough. Jesus warned us in John, in this life you will have hardship. But take heart, I've overcome this world. So I want to prepare God's people for battle, to be able to go through the tough times of this world. There will be tough times. Jesus went through tough times, and whatever he experienced, you will also experience to some degree. You'll be tempted, you'll be tested to see what's... Because your Bible says that your faith needs to be purified, needs to go through fire to see what, what do you really believe? What do you really stand for? I've been serving the Lord for 42 years now, Jenny, even longer, about 47 years. And I often think, how come I'm still here? Still serving the Lord. And so many people over the years have fallen away. I've seen lots fall away, fall away. Tough times come. Ah, this is too hard. Where was God? You know, and, and all this. done, And so, and their faith got tested and it was found wanting. It wasn't, it wasn't strong enough. They, they suddenly, their relationship with God, they didn't pass the test. And they often fell away. So God's passion, his heart for you is that every one of you will make it right the way to the end. Paul said, Paul the Apostle said, I've run my race. I've run it. And now what awaits me is the crown, the, the reward. He knows why, where he's going. Why am I doing this? Uh, Peter says, I'm writing you these letters because I won't be with you forever. And I want you to carry on in your faith. I'm summarizing his heart and what he says in the, in the word. So there's a, God wants you to go all the way to the end in this race. And to when the storms come, and they will come, and there will be times of peace. There will be times when it won't always be like that. The book of Acts said sometimes the church got, uh, we see it got persecuted. But it also speaks about times of peace in the church. Many were added to their number in those times. So you can experience a lot of different things in this life. But will you pass the test? Will you go through the temptation? Will you be those who make it all the way to the end? And like I said this morning, I want to be just one of God's voices into this congregation to prepare you for battle. To prepare you for what lies ahead. Why are you doing this? What will it take 
to, make, to cause you to, to break away from God, to break away from church. You know, we're living in an age now, and you see on social media, and you put up things, anything about a pastor or a church leader or church, and you always get all the broken people coming on there. I don't need church. I don't need people. I just need God, which is unbiblical, unscriptural. It does not, does, does, that statement does not align with Scripture. 1 John 4 speaks very clearly. The evidence of this relationship with God will be evident this way. If I want to know how much you love the Lord Jesus, I've just got to look at the way you treat people, the way you treat the possessions in this life, the way you treat your career, all these things that God is in part of your life, how you treat them will be an indication of your vertical relationship. Because it's very easy to stand here and worship God and sing songs. But what happens when you walk out the door and you get tested and temptation comes your way? Will you pass? And God wants you to pass. He's with you. He's for you, not against you. He is cheering for you. Come on, you can do this. I'm with you. I will empower you. I've given you everything for godliness in this life. God is really on your side. But people lose sight of that sometimes, and they don't understand how God works. And God is a mystery to some measure. We don't fully understand God. People have tried to over the years and tried to pin God down in faith teachings and prosperity messages and in these hyper grace messages. They try and work out how does God work. Give us some sort of formula to understand God, but you will never fully understand God in this life. Only when you see Him face to face, will you? This life is a one walk by faith and trust in Him. Faith. Faith requires trusting God and stepping out, not knowing what always lies ahead, not always understanding the situation. We always want to understand and, you know, God, why did you allow that to happen? As a pastor, we, we have to journey with people through so many difficult situations. We don't have all the answers. We do not know. We don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I have to sit with a mother a year ago and tell her and she, had two weeks, she died two weeks later, two-year-old daughter, but I had prophetic words that I'd have another child. How does that work? She, and she, was, she was conscious that day. She, she was in and out of consciousness with her cancer. And I said, I don't understand, but I feel the Lord saying to you this prophetically. Um, it's going to be okay, and you can let go. Because obviously she's worrying, fighting for her two-year-old daughter to stay alive, to be there for her. And I don't understand. I can't give all the answers for everything, but I know this. God is good. In those moments, you say, but where is God? See, God's not interested in this life so much. And we put too much emphasis on this life that, you know, and God must fit us into this life. It must be good for me in this life. And heaven is just a nice to have. Where God says the other way around, heaven is where you're going. That's, your, that's the real thing. This life is just a test and a, and a time to see what is in your heart. Are, do you really belong to him? And as I'm getting older and walking longer and, you know, I was 24 years in business and now 20-something years in ministry, um, I'm just realizing so many people may not be born again sitting amongst us. Because when the testing comes, things come out. And you just see that they don't really trust the Lord. They don't really know Him. They think they know Him. And I'd rather shake you this side of eternity. Because the Romans tells us, you know, test your faith. I'd rather test your faith and even challenge you. Are you sure you're born again? There's only one type of Christian. Are you sure you're born again? Are you sure you know the Lord Jesus? Because it's all very well knowing him in the good times. And the minute the tough times come, well, I don't really know him like Peter did. Um, Peter, uh, you know, how's this? I mean, thanks, Jen, for looking up that scripture, Matthew 16. Sorry, just during worship, uh, that scripture just came to me. I just want to read it out, so I haven't given it to you at the back. Uh, Matthew 16, 23, thereabouts. Um, give me a moment just to turn there. Um, you know, has it gone up already? Yeah, I just want to see the context, though, and, and read the other side of it. I think that's what I really want to do. 
um, when Peter's concession of, uh, confession of Christ, um, and he was all, Peter was all, yes, Jesus, you know, and um, we're with you, and, um, and, you know, this is all about the revelation of who do you say the Son of Man is, and, and, uh, and it was, Jesus commended him for this, and um, he said, blessed, I'll pick it from verse 17, if I may, he says, you're Christ, the Son of the living God, amazing revelation, then he replied, blessed are you, verse 17, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you uh, by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, the revelation of Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of, of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's a tremendous power he's given as a leader. And whatever you loose on heaven will be loosed in heaven. On loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. Then he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Wouldn't you like to follow a guy like that? You know, this is what's going to happen to me. So now you feel they feel protective over him. This is their friend. Um, Peter took him aside and he meant well, but it wasn't quite what Jesus wanted. Um, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Now, he's feeling all protective over Jesus in the flesh. You know, we want you to stay here. We're going to fight for you. We're going to stand by you. And it's all like noble. Um, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How do you like that? Eh? Isn't it encouraging? Eh? Imagine your best friend turning to you and saying, get behind me, Satan. Or if you just wanted to die for the guy and protect him, and now he's telling you, you're Satan. Um, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. If anyone come up after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So, very powerful that what, he's just, what he's, Jesus just illustrated there, in that um, in the flesh, we often will rationalize. So Peter was using the flesh, he was rationalizing and, and working out how this should be. And Jesus said, no, no, this is the spirit now. This is what God, this is the, the plan that the Father's got for me. Now, how would you like that as God's plan for you, that some of you will suffer? No, but I thought I'd be prosperous and, you know, just, Jesus will just meet my every need. And, but sometimes God allows suffering. God is in control. He's either in control or he's not. Satan is the prince of this world. We know that. He's been given power for, for a time and a season. Can I? Why don't you just pour me some there? Thanks. You guys are Lonnie. Glass bottles, glasses. Um, don't get that in other congregations. Make note there, Jen. Eight out of ten. And um, two glasses as well. And, you know, we often, so often in this life, we rationalize in our own minds. We get very humanistic. That's not the God. We've had this before. That's not the God I would serve who'd allow that, a little child to die or a mother of a child to die. That's not the God I serve. Then what God do you serve? Because you look at Scripture, and there's a lot of suffering in, in, in the life. Uh, of, and so if you point in the wrong direction, you're going to get hurt. That's how I've seen people abandon their faiths. Thanks. Because they don't really know how God works. So when God works in a certain way, they don't understand. They say, where's God? And they lose heart. And they fade away. Even Peter, I mean, <laughs> under pressure, under stress, he denied Jesus. And he'd walked with Jesus for three years, seen the power. He had, Peter had done miracles, rebuked demons, and shared the gospel. It says in the Bible, it says all the apostles were doing these things. But when the rubber hit the road, he denies Jesus. 
What will it take for you to deny Jesus? You won't say it with your mouth necessarily, but you'll do it with your actions. You'll get hurt. You'll allow yourselves to get hurt. You've got to be inoffendable that no one can hurt you. When we went through basic training, the corporals literally had permission. to. We knew they could kill some of us. I think it was 1% or 2% they were allowed to kill, and two guys did die. Um, one, I saw a guy lose his mind. Um, it was very rough and tough because they knew where they were taking you. They knew what they had to do. That, that they, they had this thing, they break you down to nothing. You are nothing to them. In some ways, it's very similar to the kingdom. You, you're actually nothing. Your life is hidden in Christ. You've, you've got no rights, no rights to demand from God. I mean, you, we can't say, Corporal, do you mind bring me a cup of cocoa and a marshmallow at bread time, you know? They weren't that interested. Um, but they, had a, they knew where they were taking you. They knew they were having to break you down to build in order to bring you to something, to a place, a state of readiness for battle. That's the reason why they were doing that. It's the reason why God allows things in this life and for you to go through things. He's got a purpose in mind. He knows where he's taking you. And if you lose heart, see, it's a, it's, a, it's a fight for the heart. It's a fight for the heart. Does your heart really belong to him? That you'll follow Jesus no matter what. That no matter what comes your way, you will still stand by Jesus. You don't understand. You don't have to necessarily understand everything. But you will stand, you'll follow the Lord Jesus through everything. During the, the Americans went and fought in the Vietnam War. And uh, from 1964, I think, to 1973. And technically, they won the war. They were, the generals, the leaders thought that if they gave kill ratios back home, that everybody would be impressed. You know, 100 to 1 kill ratios. And so they lost 53,000 people. But all the American people were worried about those 53,000 that were dying. They weren't worried about kill ratios. So they won the war, but they lost the war. They won the battles, but they lost the war. Because they, they would win all their battles. But in terms of, it was very unpopular back home. No one knew why they were there. It was very confusing. So they lost the hearts of why are we fighting this war? Why are we dying in this foreign country? Why are our sons dying in a foreign country? What's the purpose of this all? And the, the, to this day, the American veterans from that war are suffering. Um, there's ministries I've read about, and I've heard the guys speaking, how they pray for these guys, like a grayness has come over them. When they went back, they weren't heroes. They were villains. They were treated terribly. And it was like an embarrassing war. It was, and so they lost the heart. So the, God is looking at our hearts. Does he have a heart? Because if we go into battle and our hearts are for him, we will win battles. And we've got to know the wars won already. This is a very weird war we're fighting, actually. Because Jesus won the, bat, the war at the cross. The, the, the war has already been won. We already know the end. Most wars you go into, you don't know what the end result is going to be. But this war, we know what the end result is. That, that we have won. Jesus won. But there's just some battles that we've got to fight. So it's just some, some questions like I'm asking right now. Um, what is God's nature to us? If you know, I did give you 1 John 4, verses 8 and 16. What is God's nature? This, if you want to describe God, what is he? Says, verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So you want to define God and who is he? He is love. Not mushy emotions. He is love. And that's in every action. Verse 16, please. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So we've got to settle that this morning. When you, before you, I want something settled before you walk out the door today. God is perfect. He does not make mistakes. Everything that happens in this life, God knows about, and he's okay with it. Okay? That's why it says in Revelation, he's going to wipe away every tear. There'll be no more sorrow, no more mourning in, in, in heaven. 
Because in this life, there is sorrow, there is mourning, there is tough times. Um, so we've got to, if we accept a lot of things, then this journey will be so much easier. If we go through this life having an expectation of God, an expectation of this life, we're going to get disappointed. We're going to have people falling away from the church, falling away from Jesus. We're going to have that if we don't point our hearts in the right direction. So what is this? we've got to settle that this morning. God is love. And that's, that's it. That's the foundation that we build from, that He is love. Um, number two, what do you believe is God's actions? In Romans 8.31, let's read that. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? You've got to settle right now that God is for you. Now, how that works out is we're trying to settle this morning and understand. Because He's for you, it doesn't mean life is going to go the way that you think it should go. Because that's the problem with Christians. We have an expectation of God that if God is for me, then I'm going to win every battle that I go into. I know the war's won, but every battle that I face, I'm going to win. But then, you know, um, 11 out of the 12 disciples were killed brutally. Did they win? They lived like, they lived like poor people. They didn't have, have much. Jesus even said, hey, if you want to come follow me, understand this. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man has got nowhere to put his head. This is a, yeah, yeah, follow me. Come look at my mansion. Come check out my palace. And uh, this is what can also be yours if you follow me. He said, guys, this is it. You've got, I'm offering you nothing except this, myself. That's all I'm offering. I'm offering you salvation. I'm offering you an eternity. I'm offering you a joy set before you that you'll endure this life. Because we've got to go through this life with joy, with peace, in the midst of storms and trials and tribulations. Oh, can we be that kind of people, a battle-hardened people, a tough people in the spirit? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And if the devil can get one thing, he wants to get your heart to turn against God. Where was God in the middle of this? When the Jews were gassed in the gas chamber in the, 19, in the, 19, in the Second World War, 1940s, there was some, some say, where is God? Here we are, six million of us being gassed. And this can be, that question come, come, could come into your mind as well. As you go through, you could lose your job. You could be in tough financial times. You could have relationships break up. Husband commit adultery. Wife commit adultery. All these things. A child could die. Are you ready for every single scenario, every single situation that might come your way? Are you ready for it? And will you still love God as He loves you? And He knows that you, He wants to prepare you today. He wants to prepare you for this life. So that you can go into eternity and you can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You served me no matter what came your way. You didn't serve me to get, you served me just because of who I am and, I love, and you love me. How do you see life in this world? What do you think your rights are? Put up um, Galatians 2.20. You know the, in, the Bible says we've got no rights? You've got nothing. If you, see, if you start with nothing, everything is a bonus. But if you go into this life, that's why we've got so many rights movements and people grasping for, for this equality and that. And people are grasping for things because almost like they don't believe that there's going to be an eternity. And in this life, they want to get. I want to be equal to you. Why should you be an elder? Why should you be better? You think you're better than me, you know? And we can look at all these things. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Political systems come and go. They've been coming and going for thousands of years. Constitutions come and they go. 
which constitution is right in Africa? South Africa and Uganda have got two opposing constitutions in terms of sexuality. Which one is right? We're not here to argue that. We're just here to say, what does God say in terms of all this? The bottom line is, I've got no rights. I used the wrong people the other day when I preached this message in Bryanston, I think it was, but it was the Moravians, not the Moravians. Is that the right, guys? Um, the Moravians, who are very wealthy people in, in Europe, they sold themselves into slavery to reach slaves because they knew they were dead in Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, the world's going in the opposite direction. From, you mustn't be a slave. You must get out of slavery and come into freedom in this life. Freedom from what? From another man owning you, which is the Bible not, does not endorse slavery, by the way. I know many of the detractors of the scriptures in the Bible will say the Bible endor endorses slavery. It does not. But Paul, when he writes to slave owners, he said, you know, he says, release them. And, but he says to a slave, hey, if you can't get your freedom, get it. But in this life, what, what does it matter? And so the Moravians, a rich people, went in the opposite direction and sold themselves into slavery so they could reach slaves. Because I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Those slaves need to hear the gospel. I, don't, I lay down my financial riches. I lay down my rights because I want to reach the poor of the poor, the most oppressed people of all. I want to reach them for the good news of Jesus. See, so you see, if we start at the bottom, it's so much easier. But when you start up here with an expectation of how God works and your understanding of how God works, I mean, I've been through the prosperity message, by the way. I've been in the church in the prosperity message. I used to preach in Namibia quite a lot. And the one guy, he's a warrant officer in the Namibian police, he was my interpreter. And one day he wasn't there. And we said, where is he? Got, where, what happened to him? Now he saw on the Christian TV stations, the prosperity message. He looked at the townships and he said, I don't, see a, I don't see how this God is working in the township. We've still got poverty and, and hardship here. And so he lost heart because he didn't understand how God works. He did come back and we, he, came, he was back on track a few, about a year later. But for a moment, the enemy almost had him. He was looking to this world to satisfy him. Like, where, what about my rights? What about my equality? Well, if you start with the point that I've, I've got no rights, even me, I'm, I'm a slave in Christ. I'm here to serve you with my gift. I'm here to serve you with my life. One of the most beautiful pictures I saw the other day, Andrew Selly, where we bought a building and in, in, uh, the Lord blessed us in, with some money and we were able to buy a facility in, in Woodstock in Cape Town. Buildings are very hard to find for churches, by the way. The schools are closing down. It's extremely hard to find meeting places. And by the way, in Scripture, they met in homes and in temples. There is and talks a lot about Scripture, about big meetings, a lot. So it's quite, this is, is a biblical meeting that God does endorse, we believe. And uh, there they opened up this building in Woodstock about, about four months ago, thereabouts. And Andrew was invited to come then. Andrew leads the whole of Josh Jen, which is, I don't know, between four and 6,000 people now. And, and um, we've got 45 congregations, and we've got four, 12, or thousands of people, and all these big numbers. But they, they ran out of chairs. And I saw a picture on Facebook, I think it was. And there's Andrew sitting on the floor. He's up here to serve. Now, he could take the seat of honor. I'll sit in the front. We are, he, Andrew asked us to sit in the front so he can work with us. Like sometimes during a meeting like this, and so where do we go from here? Gunther, what do you guys? We only sit in the front, not out of privilege, out of practicality. Because often we sat at the back and Andrew's asked to come sit in the front. He needs us here. But it's not a privileged seat. We, we should be the first to sit on the floor. Andrew was sitting on the floor, the leader of the whole church movement, because there weren't enough chairs. He, gave, he said, and Andrew, Andrew's taught us over the years, if there's only a certain amount of parking places, we park the furthest away. I've been invited to preach in some church movements 
where the pastor's parking is outside the front door. I've got a name, pastor. And a guy comes and greets you, and he carries, like, I mean, you're talking about Cephas. We were in his church, Jacques. The, I was in his church a few years ago. And literally, you don't carry your water, nothing. You don't carry your Bible. They, they, they mean good hearts. They really do. But they're just trying to bless. Um, but sometimes, you know, that, they put the man of God too high, which is, should be in our hearts, maybe not always in our actions, hey? So, yeah, if, so you see, if you are at the bottom, you can't get offended. We're living in a world that gets offended by everything. You just offended me by what you said. You know, you've offended me. I'm offended now. Really? Did Jesus get offended? On the cross, he, was, came, to, he was in a, in a, came to an oppressed people. They were dominated by the Romans. Brutal people. We were there three years ago in, in Israel. And we saw where the, where, the, where the Romans had come into Masada and destroyed everything. And um, so Jesus came to an oppressed people. And he had so much power. He's, you know, Pontius Pilate says, you know, do you, do you understand? I could set you free. And Jesus said to Pontius, you've got no power. I can call down legions of angels right now and take out the lot of you. I'm paraphrasing. Even on the cross, they mocked him and said, come on, where's your power? You're supposed to be the Messiah. And he, what did he do? Opposite. He came in the opposite of spirit. You know, we, if you hang on a cross, let me tell you, in a lot of pain, you're angry, you've got power to sort those guys out. And he came in the opposite spirit to how we would come. He says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. But we want vengeance. We want revenge. You get all these movies. They killed his wife. They killed his children. He wanted to get revenge, you know. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We just serve. Serve your enemies. Love your enemies. It's easy, easy to love you, those who love you. Jesus said, even the Pharisees do that. Even the Pharisees love one another like they do. They know how to love, but love your enemies. Come on. The guy who's oppressing you, the guy who's got his foot on your neck and uh, got you down on the ground. We've got no rights. Constitutions may give us humanistic rights, but in God, we understand we are spirit beings. We're not, Jesus said you're not of this world. You're of another world. You're aliens in this world. I've got a passport. I've got, it says I'm a South African citizen. I've got an ID book of the, in this world. But my greatest identity is who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm a son in that kingdom, and I belong to him. Do you not understand how God works, the mind of Christ? Um, I don't know if I gave you all these scriptures. Uh, I don't think I did. Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 12. See if you can find it quickly for me. Isaiah 55, 8 to 12. And, well, maybe an easier one, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. Um, talks about having the mind of Christ, you know. And we, we don't automatically always have the mind of Christ. We've got a, we have access to it because we are spirit-filled, and uh, there we go. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It means we can have access to the mind of Christ. You know, you don't have the pure mind of Christ. If you did, you would have no bad thoughts, no nothing. You're absolutely pure thoughts in everything that you did. But the reality is you don't, and we are, we are on a work in progress. We're on a journey. Um, but we can access the mind of Christ. Lord, what do you say? How do you say I should act in this matter? And God will give us understanding of these things. So we want to find the mind of Christ in every situation. And it might be different to the way the world would say how we should act in terms of, you know, no, you need to get your revenge. You need to get justice. Even our children. I love the way um, uh, you're talking about beds. I don't know how you fit in any beds, Jacques. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot, and you must be six foot, thousand, five hundred meters. Um, <laughs> Because, I mean, we travel around a lot. We were in Gauteng last weekend. Leave us there. We were six days in Gauteng last weekend. 
you know, before that, George, Mossel Bay, all that area. Then before that, Durban, Riches Bay, and KwaZulu-Natal. So we get around a lot, and we get into a lot of different beds along our journeys. We often wake up, where are we? And, um, and I'm battled sleep in a lot of the beds. My feet hang over the edge. I don't know what you do. You must like, just his head's on the bed. And why was I saying that? It's going somewhere with that. Um, yeah, just trusting God and having the mind of Christ, you know, the values of the kingdom are so different to the values of this world. And so we've got to keep going back. Say, Lord, what are your values? We're a values-driven church, not a purpose-driven church. We have the values. What are the values of the kingdom? And that's what we're always seeking to find and, and aligning our hearts all the time onto the values of Christ. Do you trust God 100% in his ways? You may not understand, but what if he was to take one of your children? And you know, We've been through those situations a lot. I might have even shared. I was here in June this year, I think it was. And uh, I've, got, I've got a lot of actually uh, spiritual grandchildren. And uh, one of my spiritual grand, two actually, uh, that are very close. One got baptized last week there in Weinberg. He's 15 years old. He's 15 years old and he's 105 kilos. He, they got to take his birth certificate to all the rugby matches. Because um, his father was a Stormers rugby player, Monet van der Merwe, And a very close friend of mine. He was an elder in Josh Jen. He led our worship. He died in 2013 of a brain tumor at the age of 39. And um, for two years, we were with him in Vincent Pelotti Hospital. We knew the, uh, told my car, Vincent Pelotti, and it would take me to there. And, um, but we walked in. I stood by Monet's bed before he died and said, Monet, you can go. Because you can see, he was a fighter, that man. He was strong, eh? I mean, he's six foot high, and he was six foot wide. He was 150 kilograms. He was a front row stormer. He knew Jono Lamu. They played together in the Wellington New Zealand team together. And, uh, and Mono said, you can go. We'll, we'll, we'll raise your children for you. They were six and eight when he died. And I've been with the boys. Uh, I see them often. We, we meet with them and uh, walk with them and journey with them. When um, Matthew got baptized last Sunday, they're in the Weinberg church now. And uh, Cindy, the, she's remarried, and they've got another beautiful little girl. Um, and uh, they, they, they phoned me while I was preaching. Where was I? In, in Sunday morning in, in City on a Hill Church in Benoni. And Jenny, Jenny had to answer, Russell's busy preaching, sorry, he can't take the call right now, um, but rude. So they said, can you come to his baptism? He just said he wants to go and get water baptized. And so he did last Sunday after church. And um, so we, you know, can I understand that? Can I explain that? I took Joshua, the older one, he's turning 18 now on 16th of December, and took him out for lunch the other day, and we spoke about his dad. And it gets quite tender when he doesn't, you know, you can't remember your dad, and you were eight when he died. And, um, and so, you know, just trying to explain what his dad was like. And so, you know, like, Josh, I don't understand, like, but let's trust our God. And Josh is on fire for Jesus. He really is. All the boys have stood for, stood for Jesus. We don't understand why our first dad was taken. They've been blessed with an amazing dad now in their life, Emil. And um, just a solid man that, that, that the Lord's given them. And, but I can't explain these things, but we've got to journey on. We've got to fight on. We've got to be a tough army. I remember when we prayed for Mornay in, in Sunningdale, we had, you know, you can get nearly a thousand people in that, and when he first got diagnosed with a brain cancer, and I said, come, let's pray for his, we're fighting for Mornay's life now, his physical life, his spiritual life we know is in the Lord Jesus. But I said, if, if, he, if we don't succeed here, we fight for the next guy. We will never surrender. We will never surrender. I'm telling you now, we, you know, I've had two attempts on my life in the last year and a half. When I came to you guys here in June, I think it was not even weeks later, I was in Durmville Medical Clinic with having cancer cut out of me. And, um, and the guy said, if you don't do this in three months, 
When he gave me the diagnosis, he said, it's a very aggressive cancer, then we, gotta, we don't know what will take place. So, um, and last year, year before, I think I had COVID, and they said, you know, welcome to the COVID ward, you, you might go to be Jesus. The doctor said, oh, this is Mr. Fraser, I'll keep a bed for someone who's dying. So I've had two attempts on my physical life, but really, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a pleasant experience, either one of them, physically, but I was so secure in my God, and I don't understand but the Lord's come here today by the grace of God, you know. And obviously, like Paul said, I'd rather go be with the Lord, but for your sake, I'll stay. So for you guys, I'm here. Okay, I'd rather be with the Lord. Um, it's so wonderful. Don't you look forward to that day? Hey, you know, there were times in this life when I realized I'm actually falling a little bit in love with this world. It actually can be quite a nice world. I took a picture of Table Mountain the other day. We took a drive to Big Bay. And it's such a beautiful city we live in. I think, wow, just, this world is so beautiful. Imagine what eternity is going to be like. This is a broken and corrupt world. Imagine what the eternity is going to be like. Let's, for the joy is set before us. Let's power through this life. No matter what comes your way, that you're going to, be, you're going to, get, you're going to get battle scars. You're going to get punched and hit. And things are not always going to go according to plan. But God is still on the throne. He still reigns and he rules. There's still a devil who has to ask permission for everything that he does. The book of Job makes it very clear. You know, he comes into God's presence, the devil does. And the de God says to him, where have you been? He says, now I've been wandering around the earth here and there. And he said, um, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Ants? Jacques, have you considered? And he says, you may do this and this and this, but not that. He gives a clear instructions where, how far he can go. So every time something happens in your life, submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee. But there are times when we don't understand. There's also, you see, you've got to interpret scripture with scripture. There's a time when Paul says, I'm, I'm being battered by a, a messenger from Satan. And I've gone to God. How many times? I said, God, please take this thing from me. He says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. See, we do serve a God of grace. What's grace in Afrikaans? Canada, yeah. And it's powerful. It's a power grace. It's not just mercy. It's not just the mercy of God. It's, the Bible says in Titus, it teaches us to say no to sin. We serve a power God who, who endows us with power to live victorious lives in this life. But you've got to get your mind and your heart pointed in the right direction or else you're going to struggle. So here's some things quickly we need. I'm just give you them, um, some, I feel are some keys to help us. And I've touched on some of them already. It's quite hot in here. Number one, solid foundations. If Settle things, like I've been saying all through this message so far. You've got to have solid foundations. What are you, you've got to build on Christ Jesus. You've got to build on the rock. And that is what we build on. Finished and clear. Okay? Jesus is there. He's the rock. He will not move. He will always be there. Stand on Christ. Who He is. You're about salvation. It's all about our salvation, the good news of Jesus. Number one, you've got to have a solid foundation. Number two, you've got to know God relationally. If you see, if you don't know God relationally, you don't, you don't have to always understand why he does this or that. But if you know him relationally, you, you trust him. So I've ne as much as my mind doesn't always understand, God, I trust you. I'm in relation relationship with you, which no man can take away. Number three, you've got to be well-clothed. We're well clothed. Like Ephesians 6 gives us the, the, the helmet of salvation, the sword, the breastplate, the, 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 the shoes, the, the sandals, um, the shield, and the word of Christ. These are the, these are the equipment that God has given us, the, the armor that God has given us to go through this life. You're, you're not exposed. You're not, don't have, you're not going through life without armor. You've got something to do battle with in this life. So be strong. Be courageous. 
Uh, the book of Revelation says, those who are courageous will inherit the kingdom of God. He says, not the cowards, not the lafarts, the, co- the courageous, the brave will inherit the kingdom of God. And it doesn't, don't you be big like Jacques. You can be a little lady here physically. You can be small. It might just, the power of God is not, does not change in, in those situations. You've got the same power within all of us of, of the Holy Spirit working in us. Number four, believe the best of people. And train yourself to do this. Believe the best of people. Because our human nature is always to be suspicious, to always wonder, what do you mean by that? And because and the minute you do that, you're exposing yourself to be offended, to be hurt, to mistrust people. I, I was like that. I, I had to train myself. I've probably gone too far now. Where if someone says to me, hey, have you heard about ants? I saw them going to a pub the other day. Straight away, my mind will think, Man, he must have gone there to share the gospel. Whereas before, I think, really? He's gone to the pub. Oh, he's backsliding. You know? Um, Anyone seen Andrew gone to the pub recently? (laughs) No, but seriously, I've trained myself because I I was a very suspicious mind. I was very critical, uh, cynical about people. It's the way I grew up. And I had to renew my mind in Christ, renew my reactions and responses uh, to, to these situations. And believe the best of people. Train yourself to do that. Um, that's how mature believers, Hebrews 5 says, the mature are those who've trained themselves in right and wrong. Um, number five, I'm going to give you seven points. Number five, live healed. Live healed. Don't live broken. I see, you know, in pastoring, we see so many broken people. They're going through life with a broken leg. They're dragging that leg. And all you've got to do is poke that leg and then pain all the time. Just touch that leg and it's painful. Get healed now. Choose today to forgive, to release even yourself, put down the baggage. Some of you are expecting justice. You're expecting things to happen. People are going to come say sorry. They may never do that. Be like Jesus. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I'll release them now. Release people right now in Jesus' name. It'll set you free, and you'll be free of baggage. You can go through this life being effective in Jesus' hand. Um, number six, don't give the devil a foothold. There's a scripture of that. Uh, I've got it at hand right now. The Bible says the devil prowls around. He's looking to seek whom he can devour. The Bible says don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let him get into your life. If if someone gets offended all the time, who gets upset all the time and angry about things, get healed. God heals. By stripes you have been healed. I know we like to quote that in physical healing, but actually the bigger healing is our hearts and our minds. Get healed today. Say, Lord, heal me. I don't understand my own heart. I don't always understand my own thinking. But I go to God and say, Lord, I don't understand. I'm getting hurt by this. Why am I getting hurt like this? There must be something in my life that that I haven't been healed. And God, you know. You know everything. So, Lord, I I present my heart to you. Come and heal me, Lord. I don't want to live like this. Why am I responding like this when this guy said that or that person or this happened to me? And suddenly I find myself, you know, jumping up inside and getting angry or frustrated or, um, you know, what about me? And I said, Lord, where's this coming from? I want to be like you, Jesus. I choose now to die and to lay that. And um, I don't want to give the devil a foothold in me. And the last one, stay close to God and his family. If you drift away, again, that's how the enemy likes to work, is to, set, to get people to drift away, away from family. This is, God, this is God's idea. Church was God's idea. It's not ours. We didn't think, hey, let's, we need a job, so let's start a church. We need, this is God's idea. He raises, he draws people together. He talks about his church. He died for this. It's the most beautiful thing to him. And uh, I'll just finish with some couple of scriptures. 
Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Do you want to put that up for me, please? Hebrews 12. Therefore, and it's just spoken about all the heroes in the faith who, who lived incredible lives. Therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these heroes. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter. He's going to perfect your faith. For Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Run the race that God's got marked out for you. He's marked out a race for you. Are you in the race? Are you on the one that he marked out for you? When I was recently in Amsterdam a year ago, actually, uh, somebody lent me a car to go see my son. And I, really, it was the most terrifying experience. But um, I had the GPS, and Jenny wasn't with me. So I was on my own. Normally, Jenny and I work as a team. And so I had the GPS, and there was a blue line. I don't know if your GPS does that, but you've got a blue line that you've got to follow. But the short end of the story is um, Amsterdam is a very complicated city. And I think I probably ran over 100 bicycle people. And um, I think the police, Dutch police are looking for me to this day. And um, it's a very uh, tense experience. But there was a time when I got off the blue line, I got onto the gray line. You, so I used to take a wrong turn. And, and we, we call the GPS lady Mildred. Um, and she speaks to us and says, and she went quiet. Mildred wasn't even talking to me. I'm on the gray line now. I'm off the course. And, and you're thinking, what do I do? You know? And it's one-way streets and bicycle people are going left flying. And, and um, sorry, I was on the wrong side. It was just a very difficult experience. And you want to get back onto that blue line. I'm on the gray line. I need to get back on the blue line. And in your lives, some of you have probably strayed off the gray line, oh, the blue line. And you're on the gray line. And God's got a race marked out for you. He's marked it out. Everyone is, in, is uh, unique, but yet he wants you to bring your race and race together. So this morning, I challenge you, are you on the blue line or have you got onto the gray line? Because sometimes God's, you don't hear God anymore because you're out of his plan and purpose and, and you need to get back to hearing. He's just waiting for you to come to him and say, Lord, what do I do? And he says, come, take the left turn, take a right turn, and you will be on the right road again. So if you're, if you're not hearing God, possibly you're out of place. He's still in position. He still has in the same place. He hasn't moved. But sometimes we can move away from God. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. And so there, there can be a moving away from us. Um, which last scripture shall I use? If we can put um, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And you're not competing against other people, but you're competing against yourself. Are you running to get the prize that God's got for you in this journey? Are you in position? Are you running the way God wants you to run? So let's, in, in concluding, let's, be, let's choose this morning to bring our hearts towards God and say, God, here is my heart. Um, I want to be, be strong in your hand. Don't be a baby. You know, we've got so many spiritual babies. You can poke them and oh, out comes a baby. They can be gray hair and out comes a baby. When you give them a little jab here, you know. And what about me? And who are you to say this? And ah, oh, come up. Let's grow up. Time to grow up. And Paul said, he said to the one church, I can't give you meat. You can't bra. No brying. Here's some milk. Because you're such babies. Don't be a baby today. Don't be someone who cries. And one year time I come here and, hey, what happened to that guy, Ants? Where's that guy? No, he got offended by something we did. 
Does God put you here? We members stood up here, and it's not, I mean, you can't, we're not, this is not Hotel California. You can come, but you can never leave, you know. But, um, <laughs> but it is a commitment of hearts to come. This is a serious thing. Let's do life together. I've only been in two churches in 42 years, one in Durban and one in Cape Town, because God put me there. I always ask people, they want to go. God says, my season is up. Why would God do that? Why would he? He's a God of unity, not disunity. Why? I'm not leaving for any real reason. I think sing my season. Normally they have got a reason, but they just want to do all the spiritual, say the right things. We know how to play the games. I'm not offended by anything, but, you know, my season is up. So I'm thinking, maybe God's getting rid of them because protect us. You know, ever thought about that? Um, because people think, no, we're the problem, and, and they're doing right. They're in the right place. But let's be those who are committed and, and fight for relationships, not fight in relationships. Fight for this. this is, the devil wants to separate you out. I've had it. I'm speaking from experience. I've been all through my Christian walk. I've had reasons to leave churches all the time. Offend, I, I, they've got reasons to get offended, reasons to get upset, reasons to, I'm going somewhere else. But God says, no, but I want you here. Whatever you say, Lord. Whatever you say. Remember the early church is only one church per city. I always think like that. I always think whatever church God put me in, it's for a reason he's put me here. If they go outside of truth, then we must all go. I'll leave with you. But if we're within the bounds of scripture and truth, and it's just preference and just style, and I don't like Ant's haircut, you know, um, then grow up. You know, stop being immature and grow up. Because God might need you and you might leave your post. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says, those I've given a trust to must prove faithful the trust. I was given a trust of, of a, one of God's daughters 40 years ago. I've got to prove faith. I was a very unfaithful man before I got saved. But I said, Lord, I want to be faithful to one woman. You've trusted me with her. And you've trusted me with leadership in your church. I don't know why, but you have. And I want to be faithful to that trust. So many unfaithful people today. We get them come into the church. How many churches have you been in the last five years? No, ten, you know. And it's always the church's problem, never them. And somebody, they're going to get offended with you as well. They're going to leave and go and find another church. And at the end of their life, they're going to go into eternity. And the Lord says, you know, show me your life. No, I got offended here. I got offended there. I got offended. Ah, oh, you know. Just imagine the Lord, because we're all going to have to present your life. And maybe everything will get burnt up, as 1 Corinthians 3 tells us. I hope this is a tough message, because it's a tough life. Um, and I want to prepare you for a tough life. I'd rather do it now, this side of eternity. I'd rather try and get you offended and provoke you to see what's in you. You want to see what comes out. I want to see what comes out. What's inside? It's easy to sit here week after week, but, but then something we say and you're out. Then, you know, we've got to wonder, Lord, maybe it's us. If we're wrong, we'll repent. We will. We've done that before. But if you're wrong, please be wise. You've got one life. You're sent for God. And if you out, get outside the will of God, God's got a race marked out for you. And if you keep going on the gray line, off the blue line, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you stand before the Lord Jesus and you're unfaithful with what God, where God put you and why, and why he put you there. Let's stand. If anything of this resonates in your heart, you know, today, the Latin saying, carpe diem, seize the day. Do it now. Don't wait for tomorrow. We need bold and, you know, we, sometimes you preach messages and people just look at you, oh, nice message, mm, thank you. But, you know, God's, if we say, if we, I've waited on God for this word, man. I really believe I'm speaking the words of God to us, God's heart to us. And I don't say that easily. I mean, yo, you know, I don't want to talk nonsense. I want to talk what God's saying to us. And I believe God's challenging folk this morning. 
And if you don't respond to God, if you don't respond to this word, I believe it's God's word, then I, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes, man. I think today some people need to make rights. They need to adjust their hearts towards God. Things have happened and you don't, you know, you've maybe got angry with God and you don't know. But if, weigh up, let, let the word of God sift your heart this morning. Let the word of God work in you this morning to show what's there. Not to catch you out, but for your sake. It's for you. We sat with a man in Johannesburg last week and a senior leader in the church and he wants to leave. And I said, you know what, we're going to carry on. Because God's hand is on us. I don't know why. Well, we do know why. Because we, we, we follow God faithfully and obedient to God. And it's, he's offended. And he's using all the language that I've just told you this morning. You know, my season. I said, you're talking garbage. You think God raised you up to lead his people just to walk out? Come on. And so let's be those who speak the truth, man. You know? Let's be those who are faithful to God. Let's be those who are faithful. And the expression of that will be towards people and towards what God has raised up. So if you need to adjust your heart in any way this morning, do it. Don't think about it. Well, think about it for a moment and then line up your heart with God's heart and with God's will this morning. Say, Lord, I've, I've got it wrong. I want to come right. I want to get on the right path. I want to get back on that blue line this morning and I want to serve you, Lord, in the right way. If you've got any bitterness or anger or anything towards God or towards people, today you sort that out. Not tomorrow. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds for any of us. Let's be a pure, God purify your hearts. To, and it glorifies God when God's people do that. It glorifies God. We have to, our whole lives are just here to glorify Him. And don't forget this the joy is set before us. We must we will endure this life in power and strength. Father, I pray for us as your people that we would grow up into you, Lord, into all things, Lord. You filled us with the fullness of your Holy Spirit for those who know you. And I pray that every one of us in this room knows you intimately and that you know us, more importantly, intimately. Jesus, you came that we might know the Father. And this morning we want to say that confidently. We know you, Father. We know you. And we are known by you. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anything that stands in our way of our relationships with people or even with you, our expectations, all these things, we pray for a realignment this morning. Back onto truth, Lord. Back onto you to glorify your name. This morning, if there's anyone who wants to be prayed for, please come and stand here with us. We'd love to pray with you. We're in this together. It's not a show. This is a family meeting time where families get together, hear the word of God, and then say, Lord, I want to just do the right thing. If God has spoken to you in any way, you feel that God has said something to you, then respond. It's good to respond to him. We're called to respond. He initiates, but we respond. Come and stand here with me, and we want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Fathers, touch your people. Speak into our hearts this morning. Be bold and courageous, people of God. Be bold and courageous. Don't worry about people around you. Thank you, Father. God, I send you. Thank you, Father. Work in us wonderfully, Lord. Work in us wonderfully, Lord. Church, as Russell's been preaching, um, if you want to know of a gift of a pastor, 
this is it. And this word that's come this morning, uh, I have not heard Russell preach like this before over the years I've known him. And there's a call for more. And there's one area that I feel that we, we are weak in as a church. And that's our ability to be able to respond and be vulnerable. We get it in drips. And I want to challenge us this morning. God's calling us. That blue line and the gray line, I think is quite key. Some of us are sitting in the gray line. And God is calling you back to the blue line. There's a fence in your heart. There's issues that you've got. Come forward. Don't be embarrassed. God wants to heal. He wants to restore. And He wants to comfort. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Let's move in. Is there more? There's more. Take a stand. Thank you. What we're going to do is I'm going to ask some of the comm group leaders and the wives, Anton, Elsa, Edward, Nadia, please guys, will you come and just stand behind these folk? Let's pray with them. Um, Elzeth. Debbie, sorry, I'm getting my Come and pray for these folk. Let's just come and lay hands on them. Michelle, do you want to come and join us here? This is activating the saints. It's a powerful moment. And just pray with them. If they were open to share with you where they're at, that's fine. If not, I want you to just hold their hands or put your hand on their shoulder. Just pray your best prayer for them. And let's trust God to do a work in their lives. Someone still yet to be, be reached here? Yeah? If anyone's got a word of knowledge for some of the folk here, won't you come and share it? Or you don't know who it's for, but you feel that God is speaking to someone. I want to stir you up this morning, because um, you do hear God. And we all call to, we call to hear God for each other's benefit. So if you're feeling you've got a word of, of knowledge about someone's situation or life, please come and share it from the microphone if need be. And we'll just tell me about it and I can share it. It's just to help guys get breakthrough. There's some men who need to respond here. Men, God is speaking to you. He wants tough hearts, not tough bodies. And some of you need to step out this morning in the Lord. You don't know how to respond to God. You've got such an understanding of being a man. But it's okay to be soft before Him. It's okay to present your heart to God. Don't let pride get in your way. Trots, trots. Don't let pride get in your way.
John, would you come here and pray for us? I believe just you coming forward, you pioneered something this morning. You broke something open for the guys. You're a, God's called you to leadership just by your, who you are. You, you may not feel it right now, but I really believe the Lord's raising you up to pioneer something. You're a brave man. You're a guts. You've got a lot of guts. You're a tough guy. But the Lord wants to make you tough inside, and I believe you're going to lead God's people into freedom. Would you pray over us? Father, what else can we say but that we are absolutely in need of who you are in our lives. Of the absolute, absolute blessing of Christ inside of us. May it be called forth in every single one of us men. May the fragrance of Christ and who you are come forth from men. May men stand up once again and be men. Men of God, looking after their families, standing against evil being the boundaries in society being the elders in the gates being the ones that raise up the standard of the Lord everywhere may your kingdom come in the lives of men, may it come in every aspect of our lives Father God I pray that you would raise a new generation of men as these young men of the millennials that they will bring back the essence of who men are true men of God and that fragrance will, will, will permeate other people, other men and people will experience what it means to be a man of God like David David was a rough chap he was a rough chap but he had a heart after God because he had a repentative heart may you raise up men with repentative hearts that always no matter how many times we fail no matter how many times we fall but our hearts always turn back to God that we have the key of David and just to have a heart of surrender and you can do a lot of things through people who are vulnerable people who are, are willing who are just willing 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 to surrender this morning may we just surrender to you to who you are in our lives we just surrender to your spirit to what you want to do may your will be done may your will be done in every one of our lives in the name of jesus amen now devonville central i believe god's breaking something open over you this morning what, what has been prayed right now for and it's not a takeaway from the ladies at all. Because you got, I think you've got some strong ladies here who are really powering in the Lord Jesus. But I really believe for the men to rise up in a godly way, not an authoritarian, bully way of the old understanding, but in a godly way. God shaping men here this morning and breaking something over the men. And um, we come against darkness in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but I really feel that the Lord is raising up men of all ages here. Some of you guys, not older men like me, do not put yourself at the back. You're not out the race yet. Only when the Jesus says you're out the race are you out the race. And that will be when you go to be with him. You are to rise up and lead God's people and to love God's people and to model and demonstrate what God wants to do. So I'm telling you, God's breaking something over you, Durbanville Central, this morning. God's breaking something over you for his glory, for his awesomeness of who he is. We serve a good God. A good God is for us, not against us. And He works all things to the good for those who love Him. And if you love the Lord this morning with your hearts, trust me that God is going to work in and through your life in a powerful way. These are exciting times to be alive in the Lord. The church is time to rise up and, and to shine for Jesus. 
and we, 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 we're it. Don't wait for the church down the road. We're it. Let's be that people of God who touches all those around us for His glory. And many come to know His name. If anyone's, any visitors here this morning, this may not be what you're used to, but if any of you don't know the Lord Jesus, I'd really invite you this morning to commit your heart to Him. Commit your heart to Him. Give everything to Him. Because we were bought at a great price, the blood of Jesus. We belong to Him. So if you want to surrender your heart, please come and chat to us straight afterwards. And we'd love to lead you and pray with you to come into the kingdom of God and to know this amazing, amazing God that we love and serve. Thanks so much.